This is Arvin Bautista of Greasy Pig Studios, and you are listening to the Comic Relief Podcast. Hey, listener, welcome to the Comic Relief Podcast. Hope you survived the experience. The Comic Relief Podcast is an unscripted discussion about the pop culture surrounding comic books with your hosts, Uncanny Thomas Logue and Mighty Michael Miranda. All right, welcome to a very special edition of the Comic Relief Podcast. we got a couple interviews lined up, but before we get into our interviews, let's talk about Daredevil, man. We haven't really talked about Daredevil at all since it came out. I guess it kind of got a little overshadowed by the uh, Batman versus Superman event. That is true. That is true. Uh, that ended up being a three-hour podcast, so we want to do something separate where we can just talk about Daredevil and attach a couple interviews. You did the review on ComicReliefPodcast.com about Daredevil. Let's hear your point of view first i needed i needed pages and pages to really express how much i liked this uh i'm actually considering going back and doing like a review on just matt murdoch or or charlie cox just on uh, karen page you know what i mean like just just write reviews for the individual characters themselves i think they're worthy of getting their own like piece written up this is all about you wanting to write about Electra. It's what's really going down. That's eventually, we're, yeah, that's really – it's going to be just a, a huge love letter. <laughs> I want to talk about Netflix's greatest show, Electra, guest starring <laughs> Daredevil. I'm okay with the 9.99 update. It's, she's worth it, man. She's just <laughs> – totally worth it i love her so many people are like i don't get the 9.99 update if you haven't heard netflix is raising your rates if even if you're grandfathered in yeah so we're even breaking out news while we talk about daredevil (laughs) (laughs) right on the spot news (laughs) okay so season one of daredevil blew our minds right just let's be fair about it 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 was great it was a, a 10 then jessica jones came along and i have never been i I, have, I know very little of jessica jones you know if, if i if i'm reading about jessica jones it's because i'm reading a team book and she's in the supporting cast that's really it i never read alias by uh, your favorite author uh, uh brian michael bendis <laughs> <laughs> so the thing is i had never heard of jessica jones ever at all really at all not until uh the netflix show and then when they announced jessica jones it's funny because I initially thought, oh, this is kind of cool. They're going to do kind of like the uh, kind of like a detective thing. I was totally thinking it was Jessica Drew, <laughs> like Spider-Woman. So I was confused for the longest time, you know, and they show her with her superpowers and stuff like that. And I was like, oh, that's cool. You know, she's got super strength. And it dawned on me much later, like bef- just a little bit before the show started that I was like, wait a minute, Jessica Jones, that's not Jessica Drew. I've got the wrong person. I literally <laughs> had to Google who Jessica Jones was. And so. you, threw, you threw me for a loop, too. But Jessica Jones came out, again, amazing. Uh, the character of Kilgrave and Jessica and her supporting cast, Luke Cage. Awesome show, again, 10. I, I, I would put Jessica Jones at probably a 9, just because the, it, it was, the series was a little slower, and I felt like I was... You know, I had to do a lot of research to find who these. Not that 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 was a bad thing. You know, that I had to go back and see who who all these characters were. It, it's still pretty cool. But let's say I I never even read comics. That was just a good TV show. A lot of suspense, uh, great writing, and just solid solid show. Honestly, if I had to decide at the time which was better, Daredevil season one or Jessica Jones season one, I am completely familiar with Daredevil, but Jessica Jones, I had no idea what to expect. You know, once I found out who she actually was and that it was not Spider-Woman. So Daredevil, the guy who plays Kingpin, I forgot his name, did an awesome job. Vincent D'Onofrio. Yes, there you go. Oh my god. He did such a great job. But I think, like, Jessica Jones was slower. It seemed to focus a lot on Jessica Jones and a lot of her struggles. There was not a lot of uh, action in terms of Jessica Jones. But the dude who played the villain, uh, who played Purple Man on Jessica Jones? Yes. David Tennant played uh, Kilgrave. Yeah. I was like, oh my god, this dude is... You bought how insane this dude was yes. you know what i mean so i would i would have had a hard time deciding which one was better at the time but now that season two of daredevil has come out i actually in hindsight i think daredevil is better like i, I saw the characters again i was like mm, that's why i like daredevil so much like it reminded me so you know when jessica jones season two comes out i might be like ah, oh, jessica jones is a little <laughs> bit better it's really hard because they're both so well done yes. you know what i mean 
Kilgrave destroyed in this. In this, he stole the show. Honestly, he really did. Kilgrave stole it for me. I, I had honestly, I had zero expectations for Jessica Jones. Like I said, I knew nothing about it. And when Kilgrave was introduced, he stole the show. And I think that's what Netflix does so well is their villains. So far, Kilgrave and uh, Wilson Fisk have been my favorite MCU villains to date. And I mean, that's that's I mean, you throw Loki there in, in that mix and that, that's your top three for me right there. Oh, yeah. They're just awesome. There are they really both David Tennant and Vincent D'Onofrio really feel like flawed, dangerous villains with their insecurities and, and they feel like really insane dudes. And that's the thing, right? Like both of them, it's very clear they both suffer from a major, major insecurity that is literally their driving point. Yes. You know oh, what I yes. mean? Mm-hmm. They both have that big flaw that is really the hole in their personality that really makes them believable and crazy. I, you know, I just realized this. They both kind of, their craziness or their, I don't want to say their craziness, that's not fair. Their, their turning point, right? Their, their, that significant moment was both in their childhood. Remember the scene yep. where Kilgrave is being experimented on by his parents? And then, of course, Wilson Fisk's flashback back to his, the, you know, the incident with his dad. Oh, that was both, such a beautiful oh, scene. So <laughs> I mean, beautiful as in a brutal way. <laughs> Yeah. Oh, yes. Yes. Yeah, right. (laughs) I think you might be a little sick too, dude. So you take all that into consideration and then you kick it up to 11 with season two for me, right? The Uh, characters are, the Netflix characters are already good. I mean, you talk about Patsy Walker and uh, Jessica Jones, you know, all the supporting cast, uh, Foggy and and Karen Page and and all these characters are great. They're awesome. They they even got better in season two of yes. Daredevil. Foggy and and uh, and Karen. I mean Karen. Yes, she does have to be saved. You know she she is, but she doesn't seem like a totally helpless damsel in distress. She yeah. is a strong character. She's a smart character. She's determined. She's what Lois Lane should have been in Batman. Yeah. <laughs> That's exactly what <laughs> I was thinking. It. That is basically it. She is doing her own research. She's very independent. She doesn't really need Matt to protect her, even though you know both her and Foggy kind of come in to help her out, and also Frank Castle to the extent, but to some extent. But she's an awesome character, and she's, yeah. she's really hot. And she's extremely defiant. They're like, "Give it up!" You know, the case is over, and she's like, "No, there's yeah. something wrong." You know, and she keeps digging. Yep. So I kind of like it. So even though, yeah, she does get saved by Matt Murdock from time to time, or Daredevil, I should say, she's usually in that predicament because of what she's doing. Like, she won't let go, you know what I mean? And she keeps yeah. digging and she gets herself in trouble. So it's not like she's like, oh, I'm walking across the street. Oh, no, I've been abducted. Ah, you know, it's yeah. legitimate. Her, the problems that she gets into where she does have to be rescued isn't necessarily because she's a damsel in distress or she's a woman or a female. I think you put any character in that situation, like, you know, Foggy or somebody, and they're going to be in the same situation that she is. It's not just because, oh, I'm a woman. I don't know what to do. I'm getting kidnapped. No, it's 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 not based on that alone she's a strong smart character what i really liked is in this season especially uh even foggy has yes. a bunch of strong moments like when he goes up to the uh, dogs of hell oh yeah dude i was on the edge of my seat i was like what are you doing bro like yeah. I, re- I relate to foggy i'm that nerdy kind of guy and he's in there like dude i need to ask these questions and the dude's like i'm about to stab you <laughs> And he's like, and, I get you're about to kill me, but I need to ask this question. And and he he didn't go in kicking the door down, kicking nope. ass. You could really feel the nervousness pouring out of his pores, man. He yeah. was he was scared. He was definitely he legitimately afraid. Looked worried. <laughs> But he had to go in there. I mean, they could have easily wrote him off as like the goofy sidekick, the goofy best friend type character. But that that is a defining scene when he goes into the Dogs of Hell's uh, uh, bar. bar. Also, when he when when Matt kind of drops the ball in the courtroom. Court. That's the other and, moment yep, I was going to talk about. Yep. yep. And Foggy has to step up and he gives his uh, opening argument. Yes. And he destroys it. And that's yeah. usually a scene where, you know, like in season one and even in season two, uh, Matt Murdock owned those scenes. And yeah. he's super convincing. And, and shoot, he had me convinced that, um, oh, I forget the, the ginger guy who killed the dude with the bowling ball. Oh. I mean, he made an argument in season <laughs> one where I was like, yeah, that's right. He, he, he may have killed him, but we don't have enough proof. He yeah. just let him go. You know what I mean? But in in 
season two, Foggy Bear took over that role and just killed it. He came in on his own. Yeah. Did you just call him Foggy Bear? Remember? That's what his... Uh... <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I was just I was making sure I heard you right. You know it's a good show when you care about the little hints of their past. We got Karen's reaction when she take a look at the newspaper. You saw that there was, she was involved in some sort of a car accident. And yes. you care. You want to know what happened. They didn't give you enough. You know what no, I mean? It, it sucks. And then his interactions with the, uh, with the other female attorney that works at the big firm. And, you know, they had some sort of a fling and she teases them and she's kind of hot. And it's like, dude, I want to know who this, who this chick is. She was annoying at first. And then she's, she's kind of grown on me. Like she does care about uh, Foggy. Yeah. She, she comes across in the, in the beginning, like a little, uh, like a little obsessive crazy. <laughs> oh yeah. Oh yeah. So it's kind of cool that they've actually written her to be a little more serious now. Yeah. She's yeah, so kooky. But she still calls him Foggy Bear, which is yeah. so funny to me. And you know, he, he kind of cringes a little bit. But he likes it. Oh, he likes it for sure. <laughs> and then you have Frank castle dude he was all right (laughs) (laughs) i'm sorry man Uh, thomas jane was a good punisher dolph lundgren was not my favorite but he was a punisher uh ray stevenson had the look the movie sucked unfortunately i think ray stevenson came the closest to looking like a convincing frank castle but the frank castle we have right now is oh my god i forget his name the dude from the walking dead yeah, Shane from The Walking Dead. Oh my God, John Bernthal. John Bernthal is the new Punisher. I'm sorry. Now when I think of the Punisher, he's, I mean, he's as much the Punisher as Matt is Daredevil as as uh, RDJ is Iron Man. Man. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, that, that's it. So A, first, yeah, he is definitely the Punisher. Like when they announced him, they put a picture of uh, Punisher drawn by John Romita Jr. And it was perfect because, <laughs> you know, John Romita Jr., he's a good artist, but he draws very flat faces and like the noses are always kind of big. They're always, look, the noses are, he always has that like, that hook like, nose that's flat and square. Yeah, that's been hit by a pan. Yes. And dude, when they that's did that right. side by side, I was like, holy <laughs> Like, it's him, man. The Punisher is a, a tough character to do, right? To do a legit Punisher, a, pun- a, a character that's a good guy, but kills. You have to yeah. sacrifice something. You either have to make him a bad guy or he doesn't kill. He just KOs his enemies, right? I mean, that's kind of the problem they had with, like, the cartoons and the more, like, family stuff. They got the Punisher. You actually felt for this dude. You felt bad for him. You almost felt like, just let him kill the people. You know, just let him kill the bad guys. They're bad. He knows what he's doing. And he's good at it. Come on. No. <laughs> what I like is the guy who's playing Punisher. I already forgot his name again. John Bernthal. <laughs> yeah, John Bernthal. I'm just going to call him John. Even in Walking Dead. So I don't know if this is how he always looks. Because I'd never seen him before Walking Dead. So for me, he went from Walking Dead to a movie with The Rock. Where he was like this rundown former druggy guy. And then to being the Punisher. He has that kind of like worn down look. You know, like he's, I mean? always, he's always at the edge. He's always yeah, like, he, he don't looks push. like, yeah, he looks like he's already seen some. You know what I mean? He's got yeah. his face looks worn. He just looks tired. So him as Punisher, I totally bought it. Like yes, and and he's always got that big mug of coffee with him, and he's yes. always drinking coffee. And it's like, yeah, yeah, that that that's about right. Five o'clock shadow, round the clock. You know, he's all bandaged up. He's always he he always has bruises on his face. His face is always like five different colors from all the beatings. All that the he beatings takes. he's taken. Yep. Oh yeah, the opening arc, the first part of the story when the Punisher gets himself captured by the I think it was the Irish by the Irish yeah yeah and they're sitting there and they're torturing him and he finally gives up the location of his van the guy that has him is radioing him the guy's at the van and the van blows up and dude looks at uh at Frank and he goes holy crap Dude, you you set yourself up for this. Like you walked into this and you strapped yourself he, into this chair. You let yourself. You knew you let. You're letting yourself get tortured. And Frank just looks at him and goes, "Yeah, I should. I did. You know what I mean?" And they're like, "Holy." We're dealing with a psycho. That that's when I was sold. And then his his presence in the courtroom was menacing. His oh, presence yeah. when they had him tied to the um, hospital bed was intimidating. He really seemed like they had a raptor or a T Rex. They were like, "Don't go past the red tape. Don't talk to him." Here's he really, a list of things you can't yes, do. They built it up so perfectly for Frank. Man, he really felt like he was just a ticking time bomb. I think my defining scene for Punisher in in that series had to 
to be on the roof with Daredevil when the old man comes up, the veteran oh, guy. Yeah, the he Marine. puts the gun on the other side of the door. He's like, you make a sound, I blow his head off, man. That whole exchange that they have there, like, he will do it. If this old man comes out, he's as good as dead. It's an unfortunate circumstance, but he's going to do what he has to do. Yeah. Then when he goes back to Daredevil and he goes, you're just one bad day away from being yeah. I was like, oh, yes. He told Daredevil, he's like, I wasn't going to kill him. And Daredevil was, is told him, you had a gun to his head. And he's like, nah, that was for you. So good. Punisher had so many good scenes. I mean, and we can't talk about the Punisher in this without talking about his encounter with Wilson Fisk in the prison. Oh, in the prison. So that was one of the things where I was like a day ahead of you. And mm -hmm. I saw that scene and I was like, this is the scene that Michael is going to love. It was a similar scene to season one where Daredevil did that long fight in the hallway and it in was the just the one shot. Yeah. This fight felt just like that. The blood splattering, oh how bad he looked even though he won. It was so good. The way the entire scene was done, right? By the way, I totally forgot that the Kingpin was even a character in, in the Daredevil universe. I was so engulfed in the story that when they walked him into the gym yard and the weights were going up and down, literally I sat up in my seat and I was like, oh my God, Kingpin, that's right. He's in there. He's still in prison and sure enough the kingpin sits up and then they let frank go into the uh into the cell block kills the henchman and he's trying to get answers out of him so he doesn't just straight up kill the guy right so right. again a, a good interrogation he walks out and double crossed yeah dude so such a good scene he's standing up there and he goes lock the gate i mean right off the bat you know they're not gonna kill the punisher right yeah. he's not dying yet they might kill him you know you don't know what's gonna happen in the show the punisher's not locked in there with them. They're locked in there with him. It's one of the best scenes in, in this season. And then I love the fact that Wilson, you know, Fisk comes back and he's like, look, man. I, I made, a made a mistake. <laughs> look, buddy, I didn't realize the level of savage animal I was dealing with here. And I'll admit, I kind of screwed up. Yeah. <laughs> I'll tell you what. I can't have you in here with me. I got to let you go. I am going to give you a chance. Go out, kill a bunch of people outside, and I'm going to start building an army just for you. I'll meet you on the outside. I like the way that the... Uh you're going to have to say the name again. The dude who plays Wilson Fisk. Vincent D'Onofrio. I love his voice as Kingpin. As soon as he started talking that weird, I may have made a mistake. The way he talks, I was like, oh, yeah. Kind of scary, kind of a little bit crazy, but mostly scary. And then before we get into the one the one character that we kind of split on, again, um, the supporting cast is awesome. Stick was great. Stick was, oh my god, what was his name? It was Scott Glenn. He is a zero Fs given kind of a guy. <laughs> so I went back after I saw season two and I rewatched season one. I was kind of in the daredevil zone a little bit. And if you notice a lot of Electra's dialogue in season two is very similar to Scott Glenn's. They hint at Electra being raised and tutored by Stick without coming out and saying it. And one of the, one of the scenes is when Electra asks if he has any beer and he says, oh, and she says, oh, this German piss beer. And that's Stick had said in the beginning, and if you notice a lot of her mannerisms and a lot of the way she acts is kind of based on Stick's behaviors and attitude. I thought it was pretty cool. I, we were concerned like, oh, there's going to be freaking Daredevil, Foggy, Karen, Electra, Stick, freaking Kingpin, freaking Punisher. How are they, how are how they going to do it? My God. Yeah, and they seem to do it in a way where they do like kind of they kind of have the characters in like a story arc of three, and they just kind of weave them into the fourth one, and then kind of blend it into the next one. And it's done so well that you're not overburdened. Let's chat about the one person that we disagree on, and that is <laughs> it's not that we disagree. We disagree on one moment. <sighs> That's I love essentially what it is. Is one. I loved moment. Electra. I loved Electra. I am gonna say when she first appeared, she annoyed the hell out of me. I was all for Matt Murdock and Karen Page. Like, I yes. liked them headed towards a couple. Oh, and dude. then she comes along and she's like, oh, hey, Matt, let's go do this. And, you know, pulls him away and pulls him away from working on the Punisher thing, pulls him away from, you know, a date with Karen or whatever. So she kept doing stuff that was interfering with yeah. Matt's life. So to me at that time, there was no redeeming quality to her. She was there to be an annoyance to me. She was a perfect homewrecker. A homewrecker, a, home a job wrecker, a yes. life wrecker. So it was hard for me to find anything good 
about her. Then they played that angle so well because Matt Murdock would put his foot down and be like, no, I'm not falling for it again. You're evil. I don't like you. You're dumb. And she's like, oh, shut up. Let's go. And he was like, okay. All right. But see, that's, <laughs> would suit up. that's the thing. So to reference Game of Thrones, you have Joffrey, who I loved hating. Like every time he was on the screen, I was like, oh, I hate you. But God, I love hating you. Like I loved hating him. Like he sold it to me that he is an you know what I mean? Are you comparing Electra to, to, to Joffrey? Yeah, the the character. <laughs> the character about selling it. That's, yeah, she did a good job. No, he did a good job. <laughs> oh, no, he they both did a good job. Because I had I had a love-hate relationship, but to me it was like, yeah, she's hot, she's rich, she's a ninja, she's an assassin. Like, oh dude, she just played she played it really well. See, in the beginning, I I, I wasn't like I said, I wasn't sold on it because I couldn't find like even though she was the home wrecker, the job wrecker, and all of that, there was nothing in her that I actually liked. Whereas Joffrey, I really liked how bad and evil he was. To her, she was more of an annoyance. She didn't really have an evil side. You know what I mean? So it's not like I liked her for being this ruthless, horrible person. She was just kind of there to be like, oh, you have a date and you have this big court meeting. Come with me. No, all right. But then near the end of the season, she actually does some cool stuff that actually redeems herself for me. Yeah. And I'm like, hey, you know. And I'm starting to actually like her. And then there's that moment. And it's not that I hated her. I just hated that moment. So in the end, I ended up liking her. I actually appreciated her more towards the end. But there was a single freaking moment in Daredevil that I thought was... Let's talk about it. We, we didn't say it at the beginning, but look, there's going to be spoilers. You had so, a problem with the final scene where they were talking in the, the little hallway. hallway. No, go ahead. Tell us about it. Tell us what you don't like. So here's the thing. So we have this great action scene, right? They're fighting. There's hand ninjas everywhere, left and right. You can't even look or piss or do anything without a hand ninja being there. And it's a great moment. And they are finally like, oh, you know what? We are really sincerely way outnumbered. We've got to run. So they run, they run, they run, and they go into this hallway. They go up like it's a little stairwell passageway. They shut the door and lock it. And the ninjas, you know, the hand shows up and they're pounding on the door. And you can see that the door is buckling. <laughs> it's about to come off. Yeah. The, ninjas. The, and then suddenly they stop to have a moment. Like he's, and he literally says, I want to run away with you. You're the only one who gets me. Uh, you know, this is me. I am daredevil, blah, blah, blah. And she's like, oh, you're just saying that. Oh, let's do it. And they go back and forth and have, and it's to the point where even the ninjas stop pounding on the door. Like for a while, when they're initially talking, you hear the ninjas banging on the door and then they just stop. Like the ninjas are down there going, shh, shh, shh. They're having a moment up there. They're having a freaking moment. So it, it was weird. Like you stop hearing the ninjas pounding and then they have this love sappy thing. And the thing is at that moment when they said, run away with me, honestly, I thought they were going to go out there. They were going to have a big fight before this moment happened. They're going to win somehow. And basically, they were going to part ways is what I thought was about to happen. When they had this moment, Amy, who's watching it with me, even said, oh, she's going to die. And it was true. Like that moment took me out because I realized at that moment she is going to die. Uh, you know, she's it's so cliche in every movie when you have that moment near the end of the movie where they're like, let's run away together. Well, you know, she's as good as dead or he's as good as dead. Someone's as good as dead as soon as you say, let's run away together because you're the only one who gets me. That is like so cliche that it took me out. And it, was, <laughs> it was only for like two minutes that <sighs> that, that, that scene goes on and I was kind of taken out. They open up the door and I was like, okay, ninjas everywhere. Okay, so that scene that you're talking about that you have a problem with, I was a total I was a total chick in that scene. I mean if in the yeah, middle of that scene if I would have had like my webcam on me, I, you would have seen me like mascara streaming <laughs> tissues, cleaning up my the boogers, you know, hook, line, and sinker into that scene. I was feeling it. I was, I knew that somebody was going down but I didn't have that negative reaction that you and Amy had. I was like, oh Oh, man, this is it. They know that they might not come out of this, so they're promising each other the world because they know that they're not gonna have, you know, they're not gonna have to pay up on that on on that bet because they're not gonna make it. I was I was totally sold. The part where I was bummed out is they showed they showed clips of at least three to four dozen ninjas. Oh yeah, there was easily about thirty six ninjas on the roof. When you see them running from the left, running from the right, running over from the top, and they get out there and there's like eight ninjas yeah. and I'm like I was expecting to see a wall I was expecting them to all like climb on top of each other to form like a giant ninja <laughs> <laughs> you know? 
yeah. and just transform <laughs> like the swarm or something and and there wasn't so i was kind of bummed out the scene with the punisher shows up i knew that was gonna happen i was like fist pumping i was like there he is and then he just kind of snipes a couple guys and then gives them the thumbs up and i was like oh yeah, i, I feel like yeah i feel like he should have had like a minigun and just mowed down those three dozen ninjas that we saw that would have at least done away with them you know what i mean at least it would have been like oh see the punisher took care of the, all the ninjas yeah. that's cool and then let electra and hit them have the fight with uh naboo or whatever the dude's name was is that star wars but i think you're right i think it is naboo you know what i just realized dude i did not know this until i was looking at the the cast of daredevil here on on imdb you remember the the jewish accountant that's in kind of like uh he was al capone's accountant and he's like in wilson fisk's crew that's the owl from the comics i just realized that his name is leland owsley he's the freaking owl Oh my god! I didn't. I didn't put two and two together. That's awesome. If they do more with that, just like the Patsy Walker thing in uh, yeah, Jessica Jones. Yeah. Okay, so Arvin's ready. Uh, Greasy Pig Studio on. Give me a moment. I'll bring him on. Hey guys. Hey, he's there now. Hey, Arvin, what's right. up, man? I'm good. Uh, uh, sorry about that. I uh, I'm running a half marathon tomorrow, and uh, I had to grab my bib and all of that stuff. What half marathon are you running? The Hollywood half marathon. Sweet. I'm running the La Jolla half marathon at the end of the month. Have you have you done it before? This is my literally my first time. My first time, dude. I can't wait to do it. <laughs> so overrunning, dude. <laughs> <laughs> I know. Yes, I'm. I'm, I'm going to take a several week long break from running after this. One. Yeah. Oh yeah. For sure. <laughs> So we have with us today Arvin Batista of Greasy Pig Studios. And let me tell you how I found Arvin Batista of Greasy Pig Studios. I was on Reddit, it was, you know, which is what I do at work and board at work. <laughs> And um, of course, I'm subscribed to like all these subreddits of you know, Marvel Comics, the X-Men, Gambit, you name it, right? Whatever, whatever comes up. And I came across your video, mm-hmm. one of uh, your most uh, recent video of I Will Steal Your Heart. I, yep. I believe that's the name of the song, right? I'm that's not good. sure if. OK, so and and someone had posted it and said, hey, check out this video, the New Mutants, uh, Lila Cheney. And I watched it. And let me tell you what, dude, I was blown away <laughs> at this video dude you guys killed it the song first of all the song is awesome the song Thank is cool. i have it on spotify it's in a bunch of my playlists i dig it the the actresses that you use that play dazzler and lila cheney are beautiful mm-hmm. they're amazing the kids that you have to play the new mutants look spot on they look perfect they look better than what fox studios is doing <laughs> with their movie right mm, thank you, you add cameos and get ready to get your butt kissed in in this podcast man because <laughs> when i saw strong guy in your video i knew this was this was someone that grew up probably reading the same comics that i did growing up uh, right? that was the point definitely <laughs> so tell me about yourself man tell me about yourself and greasy pig studios sure i've been uh obviously a lifelong comic book uh fan i was born in the philippines uh during the 80s, uh, I, I got into comics like right as the X-Men reboots came out in the early 90s, which is how a lot of, I think, kids in my generation got into them. Blue uh, Team Gold Team? Yeah, Blue Team Gold Team, uh, the Jim Lee, Will Sportacio, Rob Liefeld era. Um, in the Philippines, that was just like, it, it blew up so big. I mean, uh, the Philippines have always loved comic books, but, and then when that happened, like everyone in school, like it's not just like comic book nerds or boys, like literally everybody was reading these comic books. So it was kind of impossible to miss. And then we came to the U S like immediately after like 1993. And all I wanted to do was to get to go to a real a for real comic book shop, right? Like that, that was all I wanted. I wanted to do two things. I wanted to go to a museum to see dinosaur bones because we've never had that. And then I wanted to go, go to a real comic book shop because in the Philippines comic book shops that like you're not allowed to browse the comics. They're all like behind glass and stuff. Oh, um, so so it was that was like a big deal. Like I just wanted to go to a for real comic book shop where I can just like go and like grab any comic book and just start flipping through them. So anyway, uh, that was me, uh, you know, 20 years ago. Um, fast forward and went, uh, you know, I uh, just realized that I, I really like telling stories and um, and I really like illustration, but I did didn't think that I would be able to cut it as a comic book artist or something like that. Um, but I did discover animation and filmmaking, eventually ended up in uh, Los Angeles and Hollywood, went to film school out here and now, uh, you know, doing visual effects, 
uh, motion graphics, which is like title design, a little bit of animation directing. These past few projects have been just kind of me reconnecting with my first love and kind of putting that together with my new love. And uh, it's just been a lot of fun. Dude, well, it, it's amazing. It's amazing. I, I, you do <laughs> characters that you wouldn't like, like if you gave someone the opportunity to say, OK, look, you have you have the talent, you have the tools and, you know, go ahead and do some sort of a comic book thing. Either they would use Wolverine. They would mm -hmm. use, you know, the big name Cyclops. You used Allison Blair. Mm -hmm. Lila Cheney, <laughs> you have a long shot. <laughs> you know what I mean? You have such good characters, man. And and, and if we if you should have done X Men First Class for Fox, <laughs> you would have done a much better job, dude. I, I'm sure everybody has their strong opinions about how uh, how the X Men movies have uh, been going on. It's, I think at this point, even more so than people would have strong opinions about how you know, like the Marvel comic cinematic universe has been going on. But uh, you know, I I really love the work that they've been doing. And I, at the very least, I certainly appreciate how hard it is to kind of realize these characters in live action, that there's so much backstory and there's so, you know, just the translation of like two dimensional page to for real, you know, like how the costumes are actually going to look and how the powers are going to look. I both envy and don't envy the real guys doing it because it really is a, a, a huge undertaking. Um, and, and that does, uh, you know, that, that ties into kind of why I decided to do more obscure characters um, because I knew that it, it gives me a little bit of a leeway as far as um, how close or how, um, you know, how, how really good movie quality these characters are going to end up being. Obviously, we have very low budgets and all of these actors are just kind of friends of friends or people that are doing it for free. So we're really just trying to use our passion to, to realize these characters. And I knew that, you know, there's already a really, really good Wolverine out there and we're not going to beat that. You know, <laughs> um, Aside from me loving these other characters and I just really wanted to see them on screen finally. And that up until, you know, there's the current buzz about the new Mutants movie you wouldn't have thought that a lot of these characters would show up in the actual movies. And honestly, you know, like we're still waiting for Dazzler. I, there's no way I, I can't, wouldn't believe that a Lila <laughs> would ever show up strong guy. We can hope for, but you know, again, very weird character. Oh yeah. Um, so, so I, I figured like, all right, uh, even if I don't nail these guys 100%, just I think I think I'd get the A for effort, you know. <laughs> oh, Thomas! Thomas's wife is a huge Dazzler fan. <laughs> she was she she was ecstatic to see like a, a live action version of Dazzler, I and had, then I on, had... on roller skates inside of sound too. That's that's <laughs> nice. Oh yeah, I mean I had I had been a fan of Dazzler for a while, um, but I had no idea how big of a for real following she had until I released that video. I thought I thought if if anybody was going to see it, they were just going to see it to kind of laugh along ironically with it. Maybe you know uh -huh. uh, I was doing it for serious. <laughs> there were so many people that would it was just really humbling to hear people who really for real love Dazzler and and. <laughs> appreciated the video and that was that was why i decided to do the sequel like you know if, if the feedback on the first one wasn't as uh, heartfelt as it was then you know the second video probably wouldn't have happened i actually think you did a great job of nailing everyone's personality dude it was an awesome video man it was Thanks. sincerely awesome and you Thank use you. Cannonball, man. Can you feature Cannonball? <laughs> How awesome okay. is that? <laughs> um, well, the funny thing is, so we decided to do the Lila Cheney video after we did the, you know, the Dazzler video. Um, just because I wanted to try something different. I was still going to have Dazzler in there, obviously, for the fans. But I wanted to do something a little bit more rockin'. And, you know, I wanted to do something even more obscure. I was like, all right, let, let's see how deep the fans go really on this <laughs> one. Let's, let's go for something that, like, even fewer people know about. Um, so I, I decided to do the Lila Cheney thing. And then, you know, I realized that like, all right, well, clearly, if I'm going to do a Lila Cheney video, it might as it, it's going to have to have the new mutants in it. And if it's going to have to have the yes. new mutants in it, it's going to have to have all of them. And the original script actually didn't even have them doing all that much. Uh, originally, there wasn't even like dialogue. That entire opening scene was just supposed to be them leaving Stevie Hunter's uh, school. They're her dance class and then um, and then going to the show and then maybe, you know, they'd kind of like chatter among themselves, but there wasn't going to be like actual character moments and certainly not uh, moments in which they would show off their powers. 
And then I cast these people and they're all fantastic and they're all super uh, excited to play the roles. And I was like, well, why am I not writing actual dialogue for these characters? Like, this is like my one shot. At least Do something. Now. Yeah. Yeah, like I, you know, I'm I, I can't waste this opportunity. Uh, and then as I was writing, it's like, all right, well, I gotta have, I gotta make sure that I really nail these characters in the one or two lines that they have, and to kind of have them be immediately recognizable to the audience. So I, you know, tried to find uh, ways to have them showcase their powers just a tiny, tiny bit. I, I uh, told the actors ahead of time, like, li- you know, like no matter how much we can try, I'm just not going to be able to squeeze in you guys like actually fighting or like flying around too much. <laughs> Um, although I, you know, eventually I was able to get Cannonball in there. I mean, even Cannonball wasn't originally supposed to go to the alien world with Lila. That was kind of, uh, expanded. And, uh, and that, that's kind of ridiculous to think about it after the fact. I was like, why, of course, like, why, why wouldn't he be in there? Um, so I'm glad that, I'm glad that I figured that out before we got too far down the line. And, uh. And figuring out how to do their powers, you know, was just so much fun to do in, in visual effects. Because, I mean, that is the stuff that I do, but a lot of that stuff was stuff that I'd never done before. And I was just kind of trusting myself that I'm going to figure it out after we shoot, um, you know, how, how I'm actually going to do those effects. It turned out really, really well. And, and hats off to all of the actors um, who, who really gave me the inspiration to expand these uh, roles. I mean, like, uh, you know, just, just to one last thing about that. Warlock, played by Cody Dowell. Right. He, uh, originally, again, in, in the script, he wasn't... I, I was too scared to do him actually turning into... To Warlock. Into Warlock. Um, so I, I just had him do kind of like a robot voice and kind of, you know, walk in a robot way. And he's hanging out with Doug Ramsey. And I'm like, all right, hopefully this is like good enough for the people and that they would understand. And I'm not, not going to be able to pull off an actual cyborganic creature or whatever. And then and then we go shoot the thing. And while he's in the background, while they're trying to get into get past strong guy, he does this like head twitch. Yeah, the just completely was... by himself. I didn't. I didn't direct them to go do that, and I didn't notice that he had done it until I was editing the thing. And I just see it. I'm like, well, I think I'm gonna have to do it now. Yeah, <laughs> I think that was it... perfect. That little, and then yeah. you kind of see him for that split second. That yeah. was nice touch. perfect, beautiful, and and, 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 and gave me gave me you know like a story reason to only get to show it for a little blip, you know, which is probably as much as I can get away with before it would have probably looked a little too ridiculous, you know? Um, so, so yeah, they, it was, uh, it was a lot of back and forth with, with those actors. And I'm, I'm just so happy, uh, you know, how, of the work that they did. You just reminded me, one of the cool things, I mean, you're clearly passionate about the new mutants. Mm-hmm. You used Stevie Hunter. I mean, not <laughs> everyone knows who she is, you know, that was, you just reminded me like, they leave her dance class, and that was such a great touch to me. I was like, "Holy! Crap, he just he pulled out Stevie Hunter. This is awesome!" <laughs> you know, and he started with that, and then you get to Strong Guy, and I was like, "All right, well, I'm a huge fan of the the later X Factor series." Mm-hmm. Yeah, and so Strong Guy was one of my favorite characters, and then you threw him in there, and I was like, "All right, well, I am in it now." <laughs> he just yeah. dropped Stevie Hunter in here and Strong Guy. Yeah, uh, yeah, that that was almost like kind of like a test, you know, like you if you start with Stevie Hunter and people get it, like you know they're in for the they're rest. They're in it, it yep. You know? <laughs> and then and then you just pay it off with with Strong Guy at the end. But let let me ask you a quick question: when when they get to the the nightclub, and you know, like we don't see, we only see little glimpses of Strong Guy. Did you immediately know that that was him? I I knew yeah. it was him from his glasses in the beginning yeah. when he's standing up there. I picked up right there. I didn't have to see this big, huge, bulking, massive body. Right. Just the face with the glasses and mm-hmm. the the way he talked. I was like, that strong guy right there. Yeah. And so yeah. I didn't even need the, the bar. Yeah. The voice, the voice, and the and the uh, the glasses for me, the little John Lennon glasses. Yeah. It's like yeah, that that's uh, that's Guido. Yeah. I mean, again, that that was the entire point. Is you like you give that. And have the people kind of like salivate for that, and then not have any idea that we're actually going to go show them at the end. Yeah. Um, and again, you know, the part of that is the practicality reason of it was that you know it's uh, that character has been heavily CGI, you know, manipulated. Um, yeah. I actually I put up like a VFX breakdown of the video, and you can see what the guy actually looked like when we shot him. You know, he's been super, you know, photoshopped up and all of that <laughs> stuff. And we, we just wouldn't have been able to, to do a lot of him actually moving around and talking with that type of effect. The video is very heavily inspired by uh, Lila Cheney's first appearance in New Mutants Annual Number no. 1. I'm actually, yes. I, have a, I have a frame, I'm looking at my framed copy right now, which is signed by both Chris Claremont and uh, Bill Sienkiewicz. 
Oh, nice. Uh, so I just got to get Bob McLeod in there, and then that's that's pretty much good <laughs> to go. I got to meet Bill Sienkiewicz at WonderCon, and then um, Chris Claremont earlier this year at a Long Beach uh, Comic Expo, and then they they both said very nice things about the video. But yeah, I mean, it's this video was much more directly an adaptation of a specific storyline versus the Dazzler video, which is much more of a general outline of her character. Um, so yeah, I mean, the video has an intro with them at Stevie Hunter's studio. It actually has an intro with them at the Danger Room, but I wasn't going to be able to pull that off. But, you know, again, I was like, I'm, I'm going as deep of a cut as I could here. I, I got to go with Stevie Hunter. And uh, Guido, was not, Guido was not in that issue, but, you know, he was uh, Lila Cheney's bodyguard that was. Yes, 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 yes he was. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Everything was perfect, dude. Everything was in place. I mean, yeah. even the, even the, the simple storyline of... <laughs> The New Mutants sneaking off to go watch uh, Lila Cheney at a nightclub, mm-hmm. and 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 sneaking into the bar. They're all underage, but they st- it, it 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 was perfect. It was that was it, dude. That's all the storyline you needed. I'm sold. You know, it's a music video, and it's you know, and it's kind of an '80s style music video. So we're we're allowing ourselves to be kind of silly about it, but really, like that is. Uh, yeah, I mean, obviously the New Mutants storylines goes into some really deep and heavy themes, especially during like the Bill Sienkiewicz era. But they're teenagers, you know, like you, yeah. you want to be able to have a little bit of fun with with them being teenagers and doing teenagery things. And, and that just let us kind of, you know, again, be, be kind of silly, but, uh, you know, excuse ourselves for that and, and just have a lot of fun. I, I would probably rank your video somewhere between uh, Deadpool and <laughs> X2. <laughs> that's, that's it. The rest wow. of them whatever they can just go wherever they, they need to talk more. this is it though these are these are the the closest actualization of these characters i've seen on screen man a really good job thank you I yeah gotta ask you something i saw on um i was kind of going through through some of your your old posts mm-hmm. and you have a an autographed copy of nfl super oh, yeah. uh-huh. <laughs> it's signed by Fabian uh, Nasiza. Now, yeah. it, it, right off the bat, you can probably uh, end one of our debates here between. <laughs> How does Fabian pronounce his last name? I, you know, uh, I, I have now a long time ago. I used to pronounce it Nisieza. I feel like it's Nisieza, but I also it's not like I talked to him directly and he said, you know, this is my last name. It's not. <laughs> the, 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 my last name. I did. I did hear your guys's debate about it. I don't think I'm the one settling it. <laughs> so uh, look for another video where somebody else says his name. Have have Rob Liefeld say <laughs> as if having all these characters in your video wasn't like deep cuts enough. When I saw you holding up that NFL Super Pro number one signed signed by. <laughs> Okay, so here, here's what happened. So that was at Long Beach Comic Expo where uh, my primary goal was to meet Chris Claremont. And I did. And it was blew my mind. I, I couldn't believe how lucky I was to be able to get to do that. Um, and he said that, uh, you know, he'd seen the video and Louise Simonson was the one who had sent it to him. And I'm like, all right, done. I'm, I'm happy for the rest of the day. <laughs> and I actually can't remember even if I knew that Fabian was going to be there or not. And then he and then he was. And I was like, oh, no, I didn't bring anything for him to sign. So I was like, all right, well, my favorite thing to do with comic convention is just to go through the 50 cent bins and honestly that's where all of my that's where that's where 95 percent of my dazzler collection came from <laughs> um don't tell thomas that Don't there are there are two there are two things that i that i very actively collect well the dazzler collection is basically complete right now the other one is new universe from the 80s oh that's so funny because I'm actually rereading those right now. Oh my god! Okay, well I'm actually going to be I'm going to be doing a podcast you. about. I'm going to be doing a new a new universe podcast real soon where <sighs> my wife and I are going to go read that together. <laughs> That's and then, so funny. And then I've never seen Heroes, so she's going to show me Heroes, and then we're going to compare the two. That's like that's what we're going to try to do. So anyway. <laughs> Not to digress too much, because obviously this, this, the cuts just keep getting deeper here. Um, Dude, this is this is ridiculous, man. <laughs> is literally like this last week has been reading, reviewing, like like just talking to me about New Universe, like it's like it's relevant. I, I love it. I, I I've, I've had I've had those comic I've had comics of those since I was a little kid, um, and and only recently have I have I been. Um, actively looking for them but only in the 50 cent bins like i know that i can buy them all on ebay but like that's not the point the point is like you, you only get you only look through them in the bins um so uh so i was looking uh you know so we were at we were looking through the comics and i was like all right well i can probably find an x-force or something in here for fabian to sign and then we realized that fabian was uh charging like ten dollars per signature on anything x-men related which that's fine i, I totally understand 
Um, he was like the star at the time because Deadpool was coming Deadpool, out that weekend yeah. or whatever, or had just come out that weekend. Um, but uh, I was like, all right, I think I think he would really appreciate some, like me me doing something extra here, and also that I don't have to pay the money. <laughs> Um, and actually, uh, 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 maybe like right as we right when we released the video, I actually tweeted him the Del- Lila Cheney video, and he said like he he loved it. He he actually tweeted us back, and he said like, "Wow, that was great. That was like the comics that he was reading, you know, when he was coming up." And uh, and so uh, we already knew that he was aware of us already. So I was like, I told my wife like, "All right, there's only one other thing that I know." <laughs> for a fact that baby Nishesa wrote that is not X-Men related and that is NFL Super Pro. So we are going to dig through this bin and if we see any NFL Super Pro, we're going to go buy it. Not only did we find an NFL Super Pro, we found number one and it was the only one. <laughs> I've never oh, what, what seen a lucky guy you are. an NFL Super Pro. I, ha- I have one in my collection that I got as a kid that somebody got me. And it was ridiculous. It was like, you know, number eight or whatever. It's completely torn up and I didn't bring it with me. But I found number one. <laughs> so I got in the line and I showed it to him. And he and I was like, I don't know how many people send this to you. Or like have this for you to sign. And he's like, sadly, more than you would think. It's <laughs> <laughs> funny. And uh, and we had a really good laugh about it. And like, we talked about the video. And, and the first thing that he said was like, Stevie Hunter. Well, well. Who the hell put Stevie Hunter in a video? <laughs> See, I told you. <laughs> exactly. Oh, dude, that's awesome. I yes. had NFL Super yes. Pro number one. I had like the first handful of NFL Super Pros, and I just remember at one point, you know, coming to a conclusion where I was like, dude, what, what the heck am I doing? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Why am I buying these comics? Like Spawn and the X-Men and I had all these good comics, and I'm like also getting – and I don't have them anymore. I don't know what happened to them. But I would kill for an NFL Super Pro like complete run. Oh my <laughs> god! I was, I was I was reading it with my wife while we were we were in line, you know, with, uh, for for Fabian, and she was just like, "I can't believe you just made me look." Because she, I, we were, she and I were looking through the bit, you know, like she starts in one end of the bin, I start at the other end of the bin. She's like, "I can't believe this is what we're standing in line for." <laughs> But it, but it was totally worth it. And yeah, I, clearly, obviously, we all you know have this shared uh, passion for the really really weird and and obscure and maybe not even particularly well loved you know corners of a comic book <laughs> fandom. And that's really what I wanted to tap into with first the Dazzler video and then the Lila Cheney video because um, oh, obviously you know co- comics are just so hot right now and everybody knows about them. There are people out there who were living this stuff out of necessity for survival, you know, in the eighties <laughs> and stuff, and and had nobody to talk to about them. All you had, all you had, was to literally collect every comic that you could get your hands on and read them, you know, back to front multiple times over, even if you had no idea or any real, you know, allegiance to any of the comics that you got, and then reading through the power stats of the, you know, trading <laughs> cards and memorizing. Yeah. You know what? What a seven rating and speed meant. You know, and and, and then yeah. being upset when they didn't match up in like the next series of cards. Like, oh, oh yeah, well, he's more powerful than this. Uh huh. And then they kept changing what the what the actual categories were. Yeah. And, you know, <laughs> totally, dude. I mean, yeah. if you want to if you want to talk about obscure like unliked characters that that's like thomas's forte i think that's like <laughs> literally his, his his profile description is those yeah. are the characters that he likes that's yeah true. i mean I, I yeah i you know i i've always been a a fan of the underdogs uh even in, you know again at one point the co- liking comics was being an underdog well that's not that's not the case anymore, not anymore yeah so now you, you again you get connect with other people who feel that way also Oh man, yeah. I, I think Thomas is the only guy that like uh, starts petitions to bring back characters. That <laughs> I had no idea. I, I didn't even. So I'm I'm actually like I feel bad because I'm actually not. I'm not nearly as well versed in like current comic book general storylines. I'm always I'm always at least kept up on that, and I have people. I have friends who work in the industry, um, so we're always aware of it. But I'm not. Uh, my my budget and my schedule just doesn't allow for me to like you know to read everything that comes out right now. Uh, you have your personal golden era, your golden age of comics. Yeah, I, I, there's there's I have plenty of comics for me to read and reread, but uh, I, that's not I'm not making any comment at all about the current quality of comics. It's just 
I, I just haven't had the time and uh, for a while the money to go and do that. You know, yeah, so I've, I've just been uh, focusing more on the old stuff. And I, I didn't even know that, you know, like CV Hunter actually hasn't been in the comics since like the 90s. And, and Oh, yeah. Uh, <laughs> Literally. I don't think anyone's really asking where CV Hunter was. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> but in New Mutants, she Thomas, was very important. I know. Thomas, Asking. <laughs> and that, that was that was the main thing that I asked Chris Claremont when I met him. And I was like, what is the deal with uh, like, I really always appreciated all of these random characters that he would put in. But like, uh, you know, usually when you write those things like they're they're usually even more important to the plot, you know, there's a purpose. Um, yeah. Um, but they were kind of they were important, but mainly as just like texture and world building. Yeah, they were know? they were the real people. Yeah, and I loved that. And I was just fascinated that he would even think, like, while he was juggling all of the other storylines that he's writing, that, you know, to, to just throw these characters in here. And then to, I was just in awe of that. And, and I asked him, like, oh, so were there ever any actual plans for Stevie Hunter? And he said, yes, but then he wouldn't tell me what the actual plan was. <laughs> oh. And then obviously once, once he left, everybody literally, like, who, who would, you know, who would even remember to go and bring that character back up? Yeah. They bring back everybody, you know, Stilt Man and all the other weird uh, you know, superhero <laughs> characters. I was sure that at some point Stevie Hunter would at least show up in the background of a wedding or a funeral or anything. But apparently, she hasn't been back since the nineties. And, uh, <laughs> and part of part of my, uh, you know, being the the vanguard for these uh, more obscure characters. I totally feel like I am your brother. <laughs> <laughs> one yes, day they'll have. One day they'll have. We've gotten beaten up together when we were kids. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> And neither of us would have been able to protect the other one. Yeah. <laughs> Someday they'll they'll bring back Stevie Hunter and Nomad and Adam X, and it'll be a underwhelming. <laughs> 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 Apocalypse is coming out, and New Mutants is coming out, and I I am already in awe of that they would even you know be set in the '80s, and that they would even consider having these characters on there already. I, I'm both happy and sad that it. You know that they're finally getting around to them, but it that it took this long for the X Men movies to be as comic booky as we all kind of wanted them to be. But again, like I'm, I'm still a huge fan of what they've done. I have I have very strong nitpicks about all of that stuff, but that's just me being a fan. The fact that they exist at all and that we live in this time in which all of that stuff is a for real thing that exists, you know, I, I can't believe it. I you know Deadpool. I just could not. I, I I literally said many times ever since X uh, X Men Origins came out that there's no way this movie's getting this this Deadpool movie's gonna get made. They, you know they they yeah. they're saying like they're, they're, there's gonna be a new one and that it's gonna be like we're gonna correct all of the mistakes from the previous one and the script is filthy and that it's you know it's it's self, completely self referential and it's exactly what you want a Deadpool movie to be you know to be like. And uh, Ryan Reynolds just kept bringing it up in every interview and all I kept saying was like no there's no way. Not that's not going to get made. Like I, they're not going to allow it. They're not. Gonna I understand him. It. I understand him wanting to bring it up because his his career was a little shaky after Green Lantern or whatever. <laughs> but uh, this movie is just way too weird. No one's going to want to watch this movie, you know. And then they did, and uh, and now like I I've just done nothing but eat crow about that because I I literally regardless of how I feel about that movie or you know how anybody could feel about that movie, just the fact that it exists. Is just like they win immediately by the virtue of the fact that it exists as a movie. Not only that was is they nailed an X Men character. They nailed Colossus, dude. They yeah. got him spot <laughs> on. Oh my god, I was not expecting that, dude. Yeah, the hard on his sleeve Russian painter. You know, like oh, that's yes. gonna be uh, who's gonna <laughs> like that? Just straight Did up you American. Breakfast, nigga. Yeah. Sonic. It's the most important meal of day. And he gives her a, a protein bar. And it's like, yeah, dude, that's it. That's his trainee. That's how he's taking care of her. You know, it's funny how I, I am positive that they are now furiously rewriting whatever scripts are out there now for the other X-Men movies to make sure that those two characters are in there. <laughs> Yeah, that, that's not even to mention like how, however, they're gonna figure out how to shoehorn Deadpool into everything from now on, because <laughs> it's just Deadpool and the X Men at this yeah. point. Okay, Arvin, well, thank you very much for for coming on to the podcast, man. I got a feeling that this isn't gonna be the last one that we do with you. Um, great conversation, great video, dude. You're doing some good work. Keep it up. I I hope you continue making more of these videos, man, because you definitely have an eye for the costumes, the the actors. The 
the actresses and the ear for the music. You got your stuff together, man. I hope you do more. Thank you for thank, coming on. Thank you so much. It's going to be hard to, to top this one because I feel like, again, I got to keep going deeper and I, I just don't know how much more <laughs> this is going to go. I have a tiny, tiny like inkling that maybe I want to do one with like Fallen Angels in the oh, 80s. Yes, dude. Um, and you can still use the freaking half the New Mutants team. I know. I really want to do, you know, I want to do boom, boom. And, uh, oh, dude. I, I don't want, I don't want to set up too many expectations. I, you know, I don't, I don't know if that's, if that's, uh, if that's actually going to play off, but thank you so much. I, I really appreciate, uh, you know, all of the fans support and all of your guys' support and just being able to know, you know, be able to commiserate with everybody about the, the more obscure corners of, of comic book fandom. That's really, that's really what I like. And that's, you know, that's what I'm making this for really quick before you go. Where can people find your video, find out more about you, and find stuff about you and Greasy Pig Studios? Sure. On YouTube, uh, the channel is Greasy Pig Studios, but if you just search for Lila Cheney and or Dazzler, those things are pretty high up on the search results. So feel free to subscribe to those whenever we release any new videos or behind-the-scenes videos. The two videos also live in SuperheroPop.com, which is where I am parking all of the superhero fan-related stuff that we do. Um, But all of the Greasy Pig Studios work is just at greasypigstudios.com. I'm on uh, at same uh, Facebook uh, at Greasy Pig Studios, and for Twitter, it's just uh, at Arvin Bautista. Thanks, Arvin. Thank you so much, guys. I, I uh, can't wait to hear more. And if, if you ever do a new universe uh, episode, you, you got somebody. I'm, to I'm bringing you on, man. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm bringing you on. We're you're you're going to have to fight to, to keep me off, to, to <laughs> knock me off the air. I got a lot of stuff to say about that one. <laughs> <laughs> and no uh, one's gonna listen to it. <laughs> no, no, give me your three. <laughs> three? Yeah, you, you, have, you guys. You have to hear it because you're gonna be here. <laughs> yeah, we, we gotta subject somebody to it, I guess. Exactly. Have a good All one, right, guys. Good. All right, thanks, Arvin. Right. All right, cool. Dorfis, how are you doing today? I'm doing good. Excellent, excellent. So I got to read a copy of Spirits Destiny's comic. I'll tell you what, there aren't many characters that are both Haitian or Haitian American and set in uh, South Florida. So that yeah. this is a, a very different setting. Tell tell us about uh, Spirits Destiny and, and the characters in the story that you're writing. Oh, uh, basically, uh, she lives in a household, uh, a, in a Caribbean household. Like her, her grandmother was born in Haiti. And she brings that that culture, that lifestyle into her life. And her mom is much more Americanized. So she does not practice the same thing that her grandma um practiced. The, uh, the grandma practices voodoo. And, you know, Destiny, her real, her real name is Destiny. She does not really, she doesn't believe in um all that witch. She thinks her grandma's kind of weird from her practices and all that. And she's kind of rebellious, you know. She's very sarcastic. Yeah, she's, she seems like, um I mean, I, I hate to use the word typical, but she seems like a, uh, she's, she's, you're, typical um, high school age girl who's just kind of trying to dealing with adults and parents and bullies at school and boys and yeah, we all we all been there. We try to be good, but you know. <laughs> my son really inspired me to write this. He became infatuated with comic books. Like I did it as a hobby, and then when I told people my plot, they were like, "Yo, you should just go with it." So you didn't grow up reading comics yourself? Yeah, I did. I collected comics when I was younger, and when I got older, you know, went to college. My mom kind of I don't know what she did with them. She she won't tell me. I, I got I gotta I gotta break the news. Your mom threw your comics away. Yeah. yeah. Really, yeah. I know she yeah. won't she tell you that. So I hate be the person to break the news to you but they're they're in the landfill they're gone yeah <laughs> they're trees again though at least hopefully it was so disheartening and i think the um the comic industry definitely depends on independent creators independent ideas as a fan you get tired of seeing the same old thing and right now the indie industry the indie creators are, are moving up before i started I, I was researching you know how to write a comic grip and how to do it the correct way and then um a lot of creators was helping me out so you did the research and stuff like that how did you you contact other artists like what was your resource for reaching out to other artists to make your story come alive that was the hardest part like, that's um, yeah, i can imagine yeah i had to actually go through a lot of forums i went to um D- deviant art i went through facebook a lot of facebook pages like there's like hundreds of comic book facebook pages i've tested out so many but it just didn't you know spark and then i, I found edwin and i reached out to him and i was telling a story and he and he fell in love with it he made me a better writer as you can see from the fight scene that that was supposed to be a, a double splash page. We said, no, let's do it this way. And then, you know, I switched up the script and it worked. You got to have that type of relationship with your pen.
penciler. I do some writing on the side and I've had a couple of people do, you know, art for the characters I've created. And I find mm-hmm. when you find a good artist, they actually help you inspire that character because they may create vision of your character that maybe you didn't think of that suddenly makes that character feel more alive to you because now you have a physical representation of what your character looks like and you feel more inspired about that character. That's cool. Yes, yes, that's so true. The guy that created my character is named um, Terry Allen. He worked for Marvel once upon a time, but he just, um, he told me he had did just a design for their um, their website. He created her. I just told her how I wanted and then the images and that's what he created. I noticed you have a, a number of different artists that worked on your first issue. So you had a cover artist and then you had, you had a handful of artists that did different paintings ages for you. Did you have it planned out that way? No, no, I did not. Um, Exportunately, Edwin has some issue with his father. Yeah, he was in the hospital and he told me straight that he needed help. I'm like, okay, my colorist, he's awesome. He knows how to draw. So basically he mimicked same way Edwin draws onto the comic. You you were able to pull people from, ex-artists from DC and from Marvel to help you out with your book? Yeah. Oh, wow. That's amazing. That's cool. Just so we're, you know, we give credit where credit's due. The artists that worked on, on your first issue, uh, Zach Gold Nolan did your cover. Edwin is Edwin Galmon, uh, Saint Yak, Richard Parada, and um, Alexander uh, Malyshev. I hope I'm pronouncing that correctly. Yeah, that. yeah, you said it correctly because I couldn't say it before. He corrected me so many times. <laughs> <laughs> what you've done also with the characters I've noticed is you've kind of spread out their bios and there's and their origins throughout like your blogs, your websites, your Kickstarters, your Facebook. So you don't have the full picture any one spot. For example, I didn't know that Brian, Destiny's father, was an ex-Navy SEAL after reading the first book until I read the, you know, your your Kickstarter profile. Was that by design as well? Yeah. Edwin created Brian and um, Terry just, you know, he did little alterations and colored them. And I just told Edwin, because I have a lot of friends from the military and I, and I told Edwin what I wanted and that's what he came up with. I'll tell you what, uh, uh, Brian's gear looks the most MCU. I thought you was going to say Metagear. But a Metal Gear, absolutely. Yes. Yeah. Thank you. I, I told him, like, yo, you went, I said, you play a lot of Metagear. He said, yeah. I'm like, yeah. <laughs> you play a lot of Metal Gear. A lot of straps, a lot of belts, a lot of pouches. Absolutely. He's like my, my, my Joker. Brian took me the longest to like uh, create because I had to put my state of mind like, how do you become a villain? Brian's going to be like the, the main villain that Spirit have to, you He's know. Yeah. That's the main protagonist. So it's not someone that she's just, uh, you know, immediately going to try to kill or take out. Like she's, there's still a, a soft spot uh, uh, and we don't really actually see what her powers are. Is is it explained or um, is that something you're going to save? No, it's going to be explained the next issue. Like when you read it, you're going to see why. You're going to see why the grandma's very important in the story. Issue 2 has a, a, a lot of things going on right now. It, it, it was kind of fun. Um, I'm working with a, a new artist named Jake Subbin. So is Jake on it for the rest of the haul? Like do you, is this set to be a limited series or are you looking just to keep going with it keep going cool very cool. And he's in it for the long haul? Yeah, he, he's in it for the long run. He told me he's not, he said he's not trying to go nowhere. <laughs> Good. All right, cool. It can get jarring, like if a book keeps switching artists. Yeah. Your first issue was a Kickstarter campaign that was successful, correct? Yes. Are you kickstarting the uh, the second issue as well? Uh, the goal for this year, I'm planning to come out with four comics. Go Are ahead. we talking four different comics or four issues of Spirit's Destiny? Four issues of Spirit's Destiny. I'm, I'm a big girl, so I could, I could handle some critique, you know. That's a cool thing thing to say uh, because uh, like I said I do some writing on the side and that is a hard thing to sometimes take because when you put your work out there for the public to consume you know with such a large audience there are going to be people who just don't like it for whatever reason maybe some legitimate some will just say oh it sucked you know what I mean so opening yourself up like that is a tough thing to do so it's kind of cool that you said I'm ready for any kind of critique you know whether it be good or bad of course I've witnessed people not able to take criticism I'm like I'm looking at them like yo, if you're not going to make it like that. If you're going to be an, an artist and, and have your stuff critiqued, you have to be able to take criticism. I mean, if you're at a level, a talent level where you're at that level where you don't have to listen to people's criticism, like good for you. But when you're starting out, you have to be able to take criticism, both positive and negative, and try to turn that into growth. something positive. Yeah, growth, exactly. And when people started finding out that I was writing a comic, my friends was like, so you're not going to put me in a comic? I'm like... <laughs> <laughs> That was going to be my next question. Like, hey, when are we going to get to be in your comic? <laughs> hey, I'm 
<laughs> but yeah, they, they're, they're feeling it because I came in from a, a Haitian community school, and when they seen it, it was like, yeah, finally, we got something like we can, you know, we can actually say it's authentic. It's something that's actually properly being represented by someone who actually is connected to that type of community. Yeah, I'm, I'm not gonna lie. Marvel tried. They tried with the the, the Haitian characters, and I and I it was in the 1976, and I was not born yet. So I started reading. I'm like, no, that's not all we do. That's not all Haitians do. It's not only voodoo, but it's one of the. <laughs> there is gonna be always that one person that does that does practice witchcraft. <laughs> <laughs> the Jericho drum was Doctor uh, Doctor Voodoo, right? Yeah, Doctor Voodoo. Yes, <laughs> Doctor Voodoo. Yeah, or Brother Voodoo. All right, Dorfis. Well, thank you very much for coming on and chatting with us. Uh, do appreciate it. Let us know when the next Kickstarter campaign starts up, and we'll be more than glad to help you out. Where can folks find you, and where can folks find uh, Spirits Destiny's comic? It's on Amazon, Kindle, and they can also find it on my website, www.spiritsdestinycomics.com. Okay, thank you, uh, Dorfis Jean of Spirits Destiny's Comic, and we hope to be uh, interviewing you again soon uh, for the release of Spirits Destiny number two. Thank you so much for the interview. I really appreciate it. Thank you for listening to the Comic Relief Podcast. We'll hope you join us next time as we continue to discuss all things comic book related. And until then, make mine Marvel. And see. And independent. Don't forget to check us out at comicreliefpodcast.com or you can visit our Facebook page at www.facebook.com forward slash comicreliefpodcast or go to our YouTube channel www.youtube.com forward slash comicreliefpodcast podcast and finally there is our twitter page which is twitter.com forward slash comic relief podc i'd like to give a special shout out to travis richards who did the music for the comic relief podcast visit his website at www.travisarichards.com